Hi, I'm Alan Hill, the nostalgic vagabond. I lived out of a backpack for many years during my 20s and some 30s. I'm less of a nomad these days. In this podcast series, I'm catching up with old friends, wonderful people I've met in the Traveller's Trek. And what better time is there to catch up, reminisce, and see how everyone is getting on in 2020? I hope you enjoy hearing about our journeys as much as we've enjoyed sharing. It takes an element of courage to leave home, to go somewhere unknown and foreign. One could argue more courage is required the greater the duration of time away from home. And I say home using quotation marks. A few months is different to a few days for sure. But what if the duration of time away was until further notice? I met Roxanne Champontier in 2010 in London. We were housemates, broke housemates. One French, one Aussie, living with a bunch of other people in the East End. We lived together for about half a year, and since then, we've both lived in different countries. I wanted to catch up with Roxanne to talk about some of the old times, but to get more details about her journey. So I zoomed into Rome, Italy, where she's currently living. Roxanne comes from Paris, her home, but is pretty sure of the reality that she might not ever return. This I can relate to. Anyway, listen in for a story. Okay, this I put down. All right, cool. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Roxanne, how are you? Well, I'm super well, actually. It's my day off, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like in Rome these days? No, actually, it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's the same. Ah, no, actually, no. They do, uh, like, uh, new rules. I mean, we everything closes at 6. So, bar and restaurant, so basically after 6. I mean, shops are open until uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock. So basically, the, the city is empty. After six, there is no one anymore. So it's pretty, it's like a ghost city. I mean, there is no one. It's crazy. I mean, it, it's weird, you know, to see bars and restaurants close at six. So the vibe of Rome is very different to when you first moved there. Yeah. <laughs> there is no life. It's kind of mini like lockdown at the end. I mean, you just go to work, you come back home, and that's it. Because there is no, no much to do. So, yeah. No aperitivo time. <laughs> <laughs> no spritz anymore. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully we can survive this and come back on the other side, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, January, February, everything's going to be done. Like in China. You're very optimistic, girl. Yeah, but in China, there is no more uh, cases anymore. I mean, like, they are living normally. And so I'm guessing for us, it's going to be the same. Let's hope. Fingers crossed, eh? You're from France. Yeah, Paris. When was the first time you left France to go somewhere? I was uh, 19 the first time. time uh, I went to uh, Canada mm. for six months. It was my first experience because I didn't uh, speak English, you know, so I was like, okay, I don't know where to go. My mom, she had a friend in Montreal and she decided, uh, she decided for me, actually, she told me, okay, go there. <laughs> I was like, okay, I go. Because I didn't know what to do, you know. I just like did my baccalaureate. Um, didn't know. I didn't know what to study. So I said, okay, let's go there to to learn English. So at the end, it's the best city, you know. Like, I mean, if you are French, you are 19 years old, you are young, you don't know, you are scared to talk, you are scared about a lot of things. I think Montreal could be the best city to start with. I is think. that because Montreal is a bilingual city with French and English? So it's like slowly immersing you into learning English, but also having the French safety net to fall back to. 
Yeah, everyone speaks uh, French and English, every single person. And it's like a dictionary everywhere you go is English and French. So it's a pretty nice step, you know. It's pretty easy for me to, you know, you're 19 years old. Uh, now, if I realize, I think I was, a, I'm, I, I don't know if I would do it. I mean, like 19 years old, you don't know one, you go there, I didn't know my the friend of my mom. It's quite young at the end. Really, if I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, wow, I did it. Because everything is new, you know, like... Uh, yeah, you know, the, the lifestyle is a bit America, so everything is huge. I mean, you are from, you know, like small flat in Paris, you are 19 years old, you go there. I mean, it's like a pretty tough, but then, yeah, I mean, it's where I am now, I guess, is uh, because I did all this experience as well. So. Did you stay with your, your mother's friend in Montreal? Yeah. So she looked after you? I mean, uh, for a month, I think, and then I get a flat. Mm. Then I rent a flat uh, by myself. And you stayed there for six months? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for six months. What would you say were the biggest lessons you learned in that experience in Montreal? My biggest experience? No, I mean, just to discover the lifestyle, to be honest with you. I mean, rent a flat, to open an account. The job I got, um, I, um, I got it before going, so it was, was, uh, was easy. But even some simple, simple things, I mean, the fact that uh, I was living with her for one month. After two days, she showed me the way to go to work, and she told me, okay, Tomorrow you go by yourself. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know nothing. The buses, train, I mean, metro. She told me, okay. So I was a bit scared. No, the, the lifestyle, yeah. Just even like the first time you live by yourself, cooking, doing washing machine, everything, you know, like an 18 years old, you, you learn the, the life to benefit. So everything. It's like you got thrown out of the house and you had to become independent straight yeah, away, become an exactly. adult. Exactly. Pay rent, pay your bills. I mean, I am everything that you can learn maybe when you are between 20, 25. And you know me, I just like uh, after one month, after my 19, I was like, okay, you really do your life now. Yeah. So that was the, I mean, that's the first experience, but at the same time, the most important one. Mm. So it wasn't too long after that, that you moved to London, which is where I met you in East London on Cannon Street Road. Yeah. <laughs> White Table. Because uh... <laughs> <laughs> we lived together at the end of 2010 into 2011. So you had only been in Montreal the year before. Is that right? Basically, when I was in Montreal, I was still doing, uh, I did again my baccalaureate, so the big exam in France. In Montreal, I did uh, Spanish courses. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I had to do a Spanish philosophy and geography when I had to come back in June to do again my exam. I got it, passed it, so I was so happy, but still didn't know what to do. I had a friend in London, so a friend of mine, with my best friend, we, we decided to go to London in September. Really like that. I mean, uh, my English was not that good, but I was like, okay, let's go to London. So we moved to London. We went to my friend's house. We were looking for a job. I start with Nando's, <laughs> if you remember. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> Portuguese remember. chicken. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very popular in the UK. <laughs> oh, my God. So we were both there. Uh, her, she decided to come back in December, and me, I uh, decided to stay. Yeah. And at the same time, I was in, in relation with Rocco, the, the, the guy that I knew. Yeah. But we were in distant relation, but I have a flat in uh, Cannabis Street. No, in uh, what the street already? I don't remember. Cannon Street Road. Cannon Street Road. Cannon yeah, Street Road. Yeah, both starts with a C. <laughs> yeah. 
My question though, Roxanne, is why did you come to London? What was it about London that drew you to come again once you finished your studies in France? You just wanted to leave again and you chose to come to London. I mean, I know a lot of EU citizens, you know, from France, Germany and Spain and Portugal, they come to the UK and often come to London just maybe for better opportunities. Was that a similar situation for you? You wanted to try and see if London would be a good option for you? No, because at the end, I didn't have like a job. I mean, I was uh, 20. So no, to be honest with you, I went to London. Why? Because my dad always, when I was young, he was telling me, you need to learn English, you need to learn English. Mm. Uh, But it was more for Australia. My dad, because, you know, I said to you that we have this French island close to Australia, again, New Caledonia. And always my dad was telling me, oh, you need to go to, you need to go to, to Australia. But I was not ready, to be honest with you. I mean, it was so far away. I, I mean, I just couldn't imagine. Uh, to, it was too far from France. I was not ready. And I had a friend in London, so I was okay. Let's go to London. Then it's super. I mean, it's close by the train in two hours. Mm. Yeah, in Paris, you know, any problems can happen. I mean, I was uh, still 20 years old, so still young, you know. So yeah, that's why I decided. And uh, Rocco, my ex-boyfriend, he knew this friend. So you know, I was like not uh, going London without knowing anyone. So it was kind of geographically a good place, only two hours by train from Paris. Convenient being a place where you already knew people, and also convenient in an English-speaking place, which you could use as a stepping stone for the possibility of going to Australia, again, another English-speaking place where you can live out your father's dream of getting very good at English-speaking. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. It was uh, absolutely like that. And at the end, I don't have regrets that I did that because I've, and as well in London, you have a lot of French people. I mean, it's like really multicultural. Uh, you feel straight away home as well. I mean, it's not like Australia. I mean, no, and I didn't feel myself. It was too far at that time, too far. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you, okay, I have this uh, French island, uh, New Caledonia, but it's two hours flight <laughs> from Sydney. Yeah. It's not train, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. And I didn't know no one at that time. So, I mean, you go there and you don't know one. I was not ready for this kind of experience. Right. Being only 20. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Before you came to London... Did you have any expectations about what the lifestyle could be? I mean, I know at that stage, obviously, you grew up in Paris and you had some experience of being an adult in Montreal, you know, paying rent and finding work and just doing general uh, adult chores. Did you have these kinds of expectations in London? And were they, in the end, what you expected or was it a bit different? No, then I went there. And I was with a friend of mine as well. So we went there. We just were, we were exciting, basically, to have a new experience. You know, let's find a job. Let's live together. So it's the same ritual at the end. Find a job, find a house, and open an account. Mm. That's the three <laughs> <laughs> important things when you, you, you arrive to one country, to one city. No, it was just like uh, having fun, I think. Like, uh, you know, and don't live with your parents, you're new people, you're meeting like a lot of people, new, yeah, new experience. And the fact as well, live with your friend is cool. Mm. Uh, I mean, doing things without thinking, you know, like uh, it was, it's not that I went there, I had like a, 
I don't know, like I have a contract uh, because I was designer before, you know what I mean? Like I didn't study. So I was like going there, find a job, whatever was possible. So I started to work in a restaurant. But it was more like that, you know, like, um, you know, when you are young, you do things without thinking, you just go there, mm. like without, okay, let's go. Like uh, it, it can be risky, but we love risk at the same time. So it was more like that. I remember you being quite a carefree spirit in the six or seven months I was living with you in the East End. So that was just your state of mind. You just were living, enjoying being young, making some money, having some fun, exploring the city, meeting people. And that was just life for you at yeah. that time. Yeah, like that. <laughs> it's kind of refreshing. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Your freedom at the same time, you know, you're free. You, you, you don't have your parents to do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just... Uh, yeah, it was like that. You were saying that you were working at Nando's as the first job you got in London. I was wondering if you ever had any difficulties finding a job or finding an apartment or just settling into the London life. Oh, from my part, no, because I knew people. Oh, for work, as I say, you are with your friends. So, you know, you're walking in London with your curriculum. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's try this one. Let's try this one. So it was like more game as well, you know. Uh, we both have the same, found the interview at the same restaurant. We both work in the same restaurant, uh, even with our bad English. But at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, Nando's, it was, no one was English. I mean, so uh, you feel straight away home, you know, you, it's like a big family. And Nando's is uh, their policy, you know, you are a big family. Everyone, they are Polish, no, not Russian, Polish, Brazilian, uh, French, Spanish. I mean, from Naples, I mean, like uh, Bangladesh is like, uh, it's crazy. So yeah, we feel straight away family. We get a job quite easily at the end. House the same. We start to live with my friend's house and then my friend knew someone. So we were always, we didn't have like a house. We were always moving. One, uh, one time we were with my friend. After that, we found this house. We stay like two months, I think. And after that, I found, uh, when my, my friend left, I found uh, the house in Whitechapel. I think I found by myself this one, yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like you kind of had your little team of your friends, and then the team kind of grew into a wider family with all of the international people who were working with you at Nando's and then other friends that you'd made yeah. from there. And so your network just seemed to expand organically seems like you were just coping, adapting and being flexible with finding the job and then having to find a new flat or move from place to place. And you just took it in your stride when you were never stressed about this kind of thing. No, <laughs> if I'm thinking about it, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. That's really nice. No, I mean, like, um, but I mean, I was for job for work. I was not really changed all the time because then does I stay at least a year. At least a year, but even the flat, um, I mean, no, I didn't really stress. Now, if I'm talking about it, I'm just like, how I did it? I mean, you know, like, but that's the thing. When you are young, you don't really think, and that's the, that's the beautiful part of it, <laughs> really. Yeah. When I first moved to London, which is when I came to live with you in the East End, I think that was one of the times in my life where I was so poor. It might be the time where I was the most poor in my life. I had very little money and I found it quite stressful worrying about money, but that's part of my personality. 
I was just going to ask you. No, I'm just going to stop you about money. Yeah, like super stressful because Nando's, I mean, if I think about it, they were paying so not well at all. Not well at all. So, but remember the rent uh, in Whitechapel was nothing. It was like 500 pounds. I mean, mm. at that time. And you remember, the, I mean, they were huge, the, the room. Now for a room like that, you pay at least 800 pounds, I guess. But yeah, that money always, yeah. always. <laughs> so you you were a little bit stressed about money. You just never showed it to me because I never no. I never saw you stressed no. out. <laughs> <laughs> Even now. <laughs> did you have any strategies for money? Did you have any strategies that you know you, you did you budget at all? No. I never did that, and I'm still not doing it. <laughs> 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 and I'm 31 years old. <laughs> no, just is. still carefree, less safe. Yeah, and no, so I'm just like, yeah, uh, one part to say, I need to save, I need to do, and the other part say, why? I mean, we have one life, you know, you don't know what can happen tomorrow. So I'm just like, enjoy. <laughs> yeah. By the end of the month, you're just like, <laughs> why? No money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my God. A little bit of nostalgia now. I was just going to ask you. What were your favorite things about London? And what do you miss about London now that you don't live there anymore and you live in Italy? Uh, I miss the craziness there. I mean, London is a crazy town. I miss the culture. I mean, like London, I think the best is in Europe about culture. I mean, art everywhere. I mean, you, you're just walking. You have art gallery everywhere, uh, museum, like, Music as well. I mean, it's crazy. I remember I was doing at least one concert per year, per week, but not like I mean, like really interesting one, nice music. So about this, I miss London really so much, really, really. Mm. About culture, I think it's the best city in Europe because everything happened. But interesting one, you know, a nice exhibition. So yeah, for sure, London. I miss it. and as well, you know, go to the pub. <laughs> I mean, London is this as well. Go to the pub, get your Guinness or like a cider. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the atmosphere of the pub, you know, the English pub is kind of you you enter in one pub, you feel home, you know, like you feel mm. you have this atmosphere that you don't have in like a normal bar. True. This as well, like this English pub, I miss so much. You know, you finish work, you get your beer. I mean, it's freezing cold, but it's fine. <laughs> you still in, and it's raining, but it's fine. <laughs> it's all right everything is fine so yeah i miss london for that and i imagine the time that you and i were there both of us having not so much money and still the good thing about the uk and london as well is a lot of the museums and galleries are free so you can get your culture fix for zero cost to your wallet which is brilliant yeah no that's true that's true i mean to be honest with you for example in rome and i i think in paris too but of course, I don't do it that in 2020 because we are uh, with that situation. But for example, every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, everything is free. In Rome. Yeah. Or the last, for example, the Vatican is free the last Sunday of the month. Okay. So if you have a good uh, timing. Cool. But I don't do that right now because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, but uh, it used to be like that. And hopefully once the pandemic is finished, it'll go back to being like that again. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I think in Paris they do the same as well. In Paris they do, they do like that. They have a free day. The Sunday, yeah, always uh, on the last or the first of the month. Mm. 
I was wondering if you learned a particular lesson in life in your stay in the UK. Did you learn something that you've kept with you all these years later, 10 years later? Uh, yeah. Uh, don't trust to, I mean, don't trust easily people. Uh, me, I was really a person like trust, but really straight away, okay? Because I give a service, I give you something. So, uh, about trust people, I was really, I was young, but still. Mm. Uh, now I'm less like that. I mean, I'm, it's still me, you know. I mean, I can't change that in my life, but I have really bad experience in London that uh, I learned. I mean, at the same time, experience is for this. Like you, you learn. Your, I mean, it was a big lesson. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I would say uh, don't trust that much. Even it's a bit hard for me, but yeah. So don't trust blindly, but be a bit wary. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I suppose if that's your personality by default, Roxanne, and then also with being young, you will come across some people who might take advantage of that. That will be the lesson, won't it? Yeah, because when you're young, you're not scared. Mm. I mean, if I'm thinking some stuff I did, I'm just like, oh. I mean, it could have happened something, I mean, badly, you know. Just when you're young, you don't you don't care. But it's not you don't care. You, you're not scared. It's just like, okay, let's do it. Because if I don't do it now, you know, like maybe I will never get the opportunity to do it again. You know, so it's just like, okay, let's do it. Let's see, even like if after you have bad consequences, but it's just like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, when you are young, you just go and that's it. Without thinking, without being scared, you're just like, okay. It's so fine. when you are young, you just go without thinking, without being scared. So you went to Australia. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But because I knew someone and I have this amazing, uh, I met this amazing person that he was from uh, Sydney, actually, uh, when I went to Switzerland ah, okay. before Australia. So while you were living in London, you took a trip to Switzerland and then you met an Australian person in Switzerland. Yeah, I was living in London. So you remember I was living with you in the flat. Then you remember I split mm -hmm. uh, with uh, my ex-boyfriend. Didn't feel well at all, like all the person. Uh, <laughs> you remember we were walking, uh, like, so, I think it was the day after, like, we had a walk, you know, we were get, getting some beers, I remember. But he said, me, I was, like, so depressed. <laughs> and with my other friend, Kim, that you know, uh, we decided to go to Switzerland for the ski season. It was November, I remember. November, and we went there for six months, until May. Yes, that was 2011, 2012. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, because I was in Canada at that time and you had gone to Switzerland. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. We went there for six months. So in the French part mm. of uh, Switzerland, uh, we were working in a hotel. And then uh, I guess like two, two guys, one from New York and one from uh, Sydney. They came uh, for a couple of days, I think, uh, where we were. And of course, we were the only ones speaking English. I mean, like, we were in the middle of nowhere, like, middle of nowhere. And uh, me, I started by my super friendly way. We started to talk with Mark. And the next day, he told me, oh, let's go to snowboard. So the next day, I went with them uh, snowboarding. It was amazing. Super shitty weather. You couldn't see anything. <laughs> I, we almost get lost wow. <laughs> in the middle of the mountain. But was cool and it was super easy you know me I said to him straight away oh my dad all the time is talking about Australia Australia <laughs> you need to go there 
and so maybe listen me i'm from sydney so okay cool it sounds, sounds nice uh but wait, so then give me your email address and uh i said to him it was february and i said to him maybe i want me i wanted to to go in australia september october so i was like okay give me your email address and uh, if i can uh, if i'm coming in uh, september i would uh, send you an email and then we can organize ourselves mm. but i met him two days this person and <laughs> and you were trusting <laughs> <laughs> So then at that time, yeah, it was 50, 50 or 51, 51 years old. Right. I remember on my life because then I came back from Sweden and I went to in Paris. And uh, I said to my mom, look, I met Mark, you know, he's an Australian guy, he's from Sydney. Uh, I really want to go there. Uh, it was so exciting. I mean, Alan, you can imagine all my parents' friends was telling me, Roxanne, I mean, you go there, what do you think? He's 50 years old. I mean, you are young. Only my mom was trusting me. <laughs> my mom, she never told me. <laughs> and me, I was like, no, but I think you get, you, you're wrong, guys. I mean, like, I know. I mean, I feel this person, you know, like, um, so I was like, you know, I save some money. I go there to his house. If I really feel something strange or weird that I don't like, I take a hotel and that's it, mm -hmm. you know, like a hostel or whatever. So I was in the south of France and I said, okay, I think it's the day to take my ticket, not to get my visa, my working holiday visa. Uh, I apply 24 hours. I get my working holiday visa. I booked my ticket and then I went. Uh, it was September 2012. If you had not have met this person in Switzerland, you would not have had that contact in Sydney. Do you think your decision-making process would have been a bit different? I don't think so. I mean, it's a pretty hard question because I don't know, but I had this in my mind. And the fact that I met this person pushed me more, you know, and it's cool that, you know, you're going, I mean, quite far and you know that someone's going to pick up you in the airport. Uh, he's got a house already. The only thing I know that uh, he's going to help me about bank account after that final work, it would be easy. I mean, like, uh, it was not my first experience. So I was like, okay. Uh, I don't know, actually. I mean, I had Australia in my mind. I had to go. In any case, I was, I was like, ready to go because uh, I spent, like, it was two years in London, so my English was not bad. I mean, like, and I was ready. I, I had, like, what, 21? Mm, you were older as well, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, I had a little experience behind me, so I was ready. I was ready to go. It's like the next step, I suppose, isn't it? You had Montreal, you had London, you had your relationship experiences you had time in switzerland and you just were going up the steps weren't you yeah, yeah yeah and the fact that i met mark pushed me i mean for sure i mean uh i came back in may august i take my working holiday visa and i left in september so it was really really fast at the end so what were your first impressions of australia when you arrived there in sydney at the beginning oh my god <laughs> No, but first it was strange because well, I met Mark, he came to pick me up, but I didn't know him at the end because as I said to you, I met him like two days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we arrived in his house. Uh, him is living in Dremoyne in Sydney. I mean, one of the best... Uh, yeah, I know Dremoyne. Yeah, it's amazing a nice place. place. I mean, I was thinking like a, a little daughter, you know, like arrived in this house, a beautiful house, amazing, with swimming pool. Private, uh, I mean, like, 
you know, you're 21 years old, you arrive, oh my God, where I am? Like really, where I am? It's like a dream, it's not a dream. It's like a mm. really beautiful house by the sea. And, like, uh, and you start to know this person that you're going to live with. Because at the end, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm just going to spend two weeks there. You know, because time to to set up, I mean, to set up like bank account, find a work and find a, a room. That was my uh, my first thing to do. Didn't really happen like that, but very <laughs> 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 was the, my first. Because uh, the thing, yeah, I like I like Mark so much. Now, I'm really, I mean, Mark is really like uh, in cinema was my second dad. I mean, like you can imagine the relation that we had uh, with Mark. But yeah, I was like, you know, I do, I do know this person. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stay a little, bit, a little bit and then I'm going to go. And after one month, my Kim came <laughs> to join me. Yeah. My crazy little French uh, friend <laughs> <laughs> that you know very well. And, um, and we stayed. We stayed in Mark's house and basically we were like family. Wow. Really. Like uh, our Mark doesn't have daughter and doesn't, uh, doesn't have children. And it was like a big family. Me, I, I get my room. Kim got her room. We have our bathroom. Him, he was on the other side. Uh, we were cooking like a family. His ex-girlfriend was coming all the time. So we were, <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. We had a dog as well. <laughs> so how long did you end up living with Mark in Dremoyne? Maybe September, October, November, December, January, February. So six months. <laughs> wow. So you didn't end up having to find a, another apartment. You just were happy. No, we found like a deal. We were saying, we say, okay, so we don't pay farming. Uh, Mark didn't want the rent. Okay. So we was like, okay, we cleaning, we do the cleaning and we pay the... Um... The bills. No. <laughs> <laughs> what did you pay for? Not the, the food. Uh, we were okay. doing like a big shopping. Yeah, we were paying. I mean, it was going in a, the most expensive supermarket. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> so, but you know, in Australia for $300, you have like, what, a one week of food? Yeah, it, it can be expensive to buy food in Australia, especially in the expensive market. Exactly. And it was always, I mean, it was, it, it was our chef. He was cooking amazing. I mean, amazing. And of course, we were going to like bio uh, supermarket and this kind of thing. So $300, uh, I mean, it was like well, one week. Mm. So we decided to do that. Do the cleaning and uh, pay uh, pay the food. It's still a good deal, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to a new country, you said the first three things you do are you get a place to live, you get a job, and you get a bank account. Yeah. In the case of Australia, you had Mark. So, <laughs> so the house was already sorted. So what did you do for the other two things in Australia, Roxanne? So Mark helped me to open an account, of course. Which bank? West Bank. I remember. Oh, right. My bank. Okay, cool. <laughs> because, of course, he, me, I mean, he was with that bank for, I don't know, 30 years. So he said, no, no, go to that bank. Uh, and, of course, when you are living in Dremoyne, I mean, it was super easy to go to the center because you can get the bus and you have two bridges. So in 20 minutes, I was in the center. You think it's far away, but then it was not. But after that, you had to go to supermarket and uh, bank or this kind of thing. You need the car for sure. Yeah. So he, he went to see the girl that he knew in a, in a bank account, in the bank, and we opened an account in two days. So this was super easy. Then the work, it was quite easy as well. After one week, I think I found a, a work, uh, working in a club. Uh, never made cocktail in my life. 
I had like uh, my uh, trial shift like at midnight or something like that. So her ex-girlfriend bring me, no, she was amazing. Nilika, she was from um, Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. She bring me to the trial shift. She wait for me. <laughs> it was midnight or one o'clock or something like that. And then she bring me back home. <laughs> my trial shift, it was like uh, an hour or something like that. And was this in King's Cross in the famous clubbing district in Sydney? King's Cross, yeah. Yeah, I think I know why she probably wanted to wait for yeah. you. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Naive, trusting French girl in King's Cross in the middle of the night. Mm. Yeah, yeah she will wait for you. My God, King's Cross. <laughs> crazy place. Crazy place, yeah. So for sure, I found the craziest club, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's always like that. And so did you get that job after your trial shift? Yeah. And how long did you work there for? I worked until February. Until... until beginning of March or something like that for yeah for a month but my life was completely different because now if I'm thinking about it working in the club uh, I didn't really enjoy Sydney I mean I enjoyed but completely different because me I was working uh, at night mid uh, midnight to six or seven o'clock in the morning come back home sleep all day you know you wake up at five and then yeah eating enjoy your bed but it's already five o'clock you know and then you go you go back to to work so my lifestyle at the end was at night. Didn't really enjoy uh, <laughs> the, I mean, the, yeah, I enjoyed the city, but completely different. Mm, it was another life, to be honest with you, because working at night, you don't really have life. Yeah, of course, I understand that. So what did you do then? Did you decide to quit that job and try a different routine? So with Kim, uh, we decided uh, we wanted to move. We, we didn't want to stay to name. And one morning, I don't know, I don't remember how it happened, but it was just like, well, where we can go? That's the thing, you know, traveling and like, get experience. You don't have nothing to, oh, no, I need to stay. I have a contract. Uh, I get paid well, you know, like, no, we were just like, okay, now we have enough. Uh, we want to see something else. Where we can go? Uh, we were just like, Asia? <laughs> Do you want to go to Asia? <laughs> so we were just like, oh, yeah. Let's go to Thailand. And we booked the ticket for Thailand. Uh, we just like uh, for one month, I think, one month and three days. Well, more than a month because we had to do the visa, I remember. And we decided to go to Thailand. Like backpackers. <laughs> we left a bit some stuff in Mark's house. Mark, I remember him is really like a route, you know, he got a van. We used to travel as well around Sydney, do camping and this kind of stuff. So you get all the materials, you know, like big backpackers. So we, we just took two bags like that and we decided to, to travel in Thailand. Quite a spontaneous decision. Yeah. Did you just enjoy a backpacker lifestyle for a month in Thailand then? I think it was the best holiday in my life. Amazing. I think it's, uh, it's real holiday backpackers. I mean, we didn't book anything. We just like bought a little book, you know, just to see where we wanted to go. But still like that, you know, you just like arrive, okay, let's go to one hostel, okay, let's stay here, okay, how many days, two days, or oh, if you want to stay on one more day, we stay one more day, if we wanted to move, I mean, you don't have any plans, so it's just like uh, you live day by day, this is holiday. Yeah, it's like a completely free, free lifestyle. lifestyle. I think it's the best. Yeah, <laughs> I lived like this for about six weeks in the USA before I met you actually and I recall sitting on the beach and just thinking oh today I'm in San Diego where am I going to be tomorrow I'll figure it out tomorrow yeah <laughs> exactly 
and you're just completely <laughs> floating in in space and your time on the earth is yeah the possibilities are infinite you have no obligations and you have no commitments so it's a very strange feeling to what most people are used to about oh i have to go to work tomorrow or i have to go visit my my family or i have to deliver this meeting or you know obligations and commitments whereas when you have none of that it's a very liberating and almost intoxicating feeling isn't it it's amazing i mean i can't describe how free you you are you know like a and at the, at the same time, that's life. To be honest with you, if I had to do it again, I would do it again. But even like more, even more free, you know, like uh, not crazy, but like in, I would do more and more for sure. Because at the same time, a holiday like that, that means holiday, really. Well, of course, you go for one month, so it's crazy. But I remember you, you have to, or you live, or you, you travel by yourself. Or you are with a good partner. I mean, really good next to you. Because of course, I mean, we. I remember with Kim, uh, we never fight. You know, we wanted exactly the same thing as well. I mean, when you want to travel with someone, you need to get the same line, the same direction. Completely. Otherwise, it's a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we are. I mean, we are a bit different, but at the same time, we are the same. So we were. We really enjoy Thailand. Really, 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 really. Would you say uh, that Kim is a good travel buddy for you? Yeah, because we didn't, as, as you were saying, you know, like I remember we were supposed to go to one city from Bangkok on the train. We met two guys from Canada because it's, it's, it's funny when you're traveling. You have to book when you travel. You are, or uh, Routard, so the Routard is a French book. And in the English way, in the English part, uh, what's the name? I don't remember. Do you have another book that all English, Canadian, American is using when they are traveling? So basically, when you have those books, you met really French people or English people. It's crazy. I don't remember the name of that book. Global. Like a guidebook. A guidebook, exactly. So there's a, a brand of guidebook that all the French speakers use. And that's a, a, that's the one, the Routard. That all the English the speakers French use. are using this. But the English one? Who is using I don't what the name? I never use guidebooks, so I don't know. Don't remember, but you have one so you can meet when you use this can us we we had both of them. So we met a lot of Canadian <laughs> and English and mm. French or a mix of them. And I remember we went to that train we were in that train. We decided to have one, to go to one city and uh, and we met those two guys from Canada. And we were, oh, where you go, guys, and everything. And it was like, oh, we go to that city because there is a lot of things uh, to see and everything. And we were, what? I mean, we start to watch each other. We came, I was just like, should we go? Okay, let's go. <laughs> so we decided to change the plan. <laughs> <laughs> then at the end, we found a hostel with those two guys, we were a couple, Canadian couple, but they were like 60 years old. Still traveling, you know, backpackers, amazing. Uh, we met amazing people there. And I mean, it was like that, our holiday, you know. That's the most interesting part at the end. Yeah, meeting people, especially meeting people spontaneously is one of the most incredible things about traveling, I think. It was really nice that you and Kim were able to be spontaneous and follow this Canadian couple because you could have not. You could have thought, oh, we actually, we're not going the same way as you we're going this way so we should continue our original plan but you said to yourself and to kim no let's go with these people this could be fun <laughs> and so you just went 
you were completely free, which is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, my God. What was your favorite thing about your month-long adventure in Thailand? The best thing. Mm. The best thing. But first, you know, when you're traveling with your friend, it's already the best thing. And the best thing, but we parties, we we do everything we, it was possible to do, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like just, I mean, if I have to put one word uh, in the holiday, it's freedom, freedom, just like, uh, yeah. you feel free. Yeah. For once, you know, you feel free. No one needs to tell you nothing. Just like you go where you want, when you want. I remember seeing a very cheeky photo of you and Kim with big water pistols. <laughs> on facebook what was that <laughs> all about amazing. so we we went to thailand in march we didn't know but we have this amazing thing is because in march in thailand you have the new year's eve so basically in thailand the new year's eve like more you go to the north longer it is because as we were in kopika island at the time and uh basically new year's eve for them you have water gun and <laughs> for one day you're just playing with everyone in the street so you can imagine how crazy it is. But you, you play with even the Thailand family, with little kids, you know, with everyone. You're in the South, it's like one or two days. And you go to the North, it's seven days. For seven days, you have water in your face. <laughs> seven days, non-stop with water gun. <laughs> I mean, your water gun is your best friend. <laughs> On that time. That sounds crazy. Yeah, no, it was crazy. <laughs> like, it was crazy. Like water everywhere. I mean, you can imagine it was the swimming pool everywhere. It was funny. <laughs> so after your little jaunt in Thailand, did you return to Australia and back to Sydney? Yeah. So we came back in Sydney and we decided to go to Perth. Mm. And it was, so we were in March, April. Yeah. Middle of April, I think we were in, in Perth. So you and Kim went out to Perth. Again, similar thing. Obviously, you had your bank account already, but yeah. you had to find another place to live <laughs> and another job. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so what, what was Perth like for you? Me, to be honest with you, I like. I like Perth. A lot of people are like, mm, Perth is very small. I mean, people. No. Me, I really like because uh, we had a nice house. Uh, I get a bike, so I was doing everything by bike. A bit chill. I mean, I like this place because it's chill, it's quiet, and it's cute. I mean, it was cute. But at the same time, in Perth, uh, I didn't really see that much, even around because I work so hard. I really work hard. I found this restaurant. It was a Thai restaurant, but I was working with Australian people, not Thai people. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was working in a Thai restaurant. And then four days a week, I was working in a club as well. So I was working, <laughs> only working to be honest with you. I was working four to midnight uh, in this restaurant. After midnight, I was going to this club, the oldest gay club in the Western Australia, until six come back home, sleep, go to work. So it was, uh, it was crazy. So you were kind of saving your money again. I mean, living in Perth is kind of expensive anyway, so you do have to work a lot to pay the rent and get the food. We had to share, I remember we had to share a room. Yeah, a bit like yeah. being back in London. Yeah, but at the same time, London it was definitely less expensive. I remember Perth, we were paying, per, uh, in, in Australia, per, per week, yeah. uh, the rent. I mean, it was crazy, maybe $500 per week or something like that, per week. And you have a room, uh, I mean, like a small room. I'm not talking about like 20 meters of room. I mean, it was small our room. <laughs> Good thing you and Kim are such big friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was expensive. So did you get much chance to explore Australia as well as just work there? No, at the end, I didn't. 
didn't really explore Australia. I mean, like when I was in Sydney, uh, before I started to work, I remember with Mark, we were taking a van, we were going around uh, like eels or even like waterfalls. So we, but it was just one day, you know, and we would come back uh, at night. Yeah. But I didn't travel like uh, everyone does. But you were living the culture, which is an experience in itself. If you're a tourist and you're cruising around visiting places all the time, it's a different experience than rooting yourself in a culture and living in that culture. In a way, that's a more enriching experience because you've immersed yourself in it rather than just observe it. So it's quite a cool thing you were able to do that in two different cities as well. Yeah, and then at the end when I was going with Mark, I mean, we were going to some places and it was no one. I mean, it was not like tourist place, you know, because him, it was... He may love traveling, even by himself. He loves surfing as well. So he always found, you know, the spot, uh, amazing spot. So that the thing as well, to be with Australian guy next to you, yeah, to, uh, yeah. to go some places, like there is no one or only Australian. I mean, uh, that the thing as well, there is no, no, no price, you know? Yeah. So really yeah. The local guide. It's, it's the best, the best type of guide for sure. Yeah. So you were living in London working in London, you were living in Australia, working in Australia, two different places. You were always, since you left France, improving your English. So my question is, <laughs> what was the difference in English and how difficult was it to speak English and use English when you compare London and the UK, for example, with Australia? But at the end, I didn't really have this thing... You you mean about the accent? Or it was hard for me when I was to Australia, like to understand. Yeah, how how was it for you to speak English in London and to speak English in Sydney and in Perth? Did you have any difficulties, or were they, or were you competent no. enough no. to handle the Australian accents and the Australian idioms? <laughs> no, the thing is, in Australia, at the end where I was working in the club, I was working with Italian, Greek, I think, Greek. But most French, two Australian people as well. So it was a mix as well. So at the end, it didn't really change when I was in London. And Sydney was exactly the same. When I was coming, uh, coming back home, Mark uh, really have a good Australian accent, not really strong. So And her ex-girlfriend, uh, Nilika, she's from Sri Lanka, but she's, she's born in Australia. Mm. The same, she's a teacher. So the English was perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really have problem to to understand. Or, I mean, it's the same, you know, in London. When I was working in a, once I worked in a pub, I mean, in London, if you are, met a guy from uh, Manchester or even like Leeds, I mean, like if they have a strong accent, I remember my manager, I couldn't understand a word. He was speaking super fast. He was eating all the words. And I was in London. And I think it was the hardest person to understand. <laughs> All the time I was like, what did you say? What did you say? I mean, I read rubber. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so hard. And I didn't have this problem in Australia. But at the same time, I didn't go, you know, to the deepest <laughs> Australia place, you know, exactly in the countryside. For sure, uh, I would have been problem. Even in Perth, I didn't have any problem. Even I was working with, more with Australian. But I didn't have this problem of accent to learn this idea. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first day I moved into the flat in Cannon Street Road. We were talking in the kitchen and I think I was just putting some shopping away. And you said to me, Alan, are you sure you're from Australia? <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I understand every word you say. 
<laughs> I remember that. Because everyone says you don't say in Australia, you don't understand the word. But at the end, if you think about it, like Australia, most of them is or Irish or English. I mean, the family I come from UK in, that, uh, in any case. But it's the same, you know, if you're going to France and you are really, you go to the countryside and this guy, I mean, even old, speak French, maybe I wouldn't understand because like, I mean, you know, they, they get the dialect or, I mean, the same in Italy, in Italy, it's even worse in Italy, actually. Yeah, you just have to learn all the different sounds and download all the different sounds. Otherwise, it will be but difficult. Alan, you remember in London, just in London, you guy from east, east, north, south, they get different accents. Exactly. <laughs> and you're just in London. I'm not talking about like uh, Bristol or, you know, like Scot- or even Scotland. I mean, Scotland is super hard, for example, or Irish. Exactly. No, yeah, in Australia, it was quite easy. <laughs> now, you know what I learned in Australia in Perth? Because I was uh, working with an Eng- American girl, douchebag. Douchebag. <laughs> this is American. <laughs> <laughs> this is American. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> When I was traveling in, it was Canada, I think, years ago, I encountered some people from Quebec and they found that I was from Australia. They couldn't believe that, you know, I was this person who'd come from this paradise, Australia, and I was exploring their home. And I found it very interesting. I was curious about what people who are not from Australia think of Australia and then whether that changes or stays the same when they actually arrive there. So obviously for you, Roxanne, from your father especially, this idea of Australia was given to you as a girl and and heading into womanhood about this is the place that you need to check out. And a lot of people think Australia is a paradise. Did you think that, do you still think that when you hear the word paradise, do you think of Australia or do you think they're totally separate things? Uh, Paradise, I think it would be a bit too much. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's fine. I, I agree. <laughs> about I mean, paradise about the beauty. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say paradise. I mean, it's beautiful. And about the lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, if I have to come back, I will. You know, the situation that we are living now. Sometimes we are just like, why I left Australia? Why? Mm. Sometimes why I didn't get the second that I did that. But at the same time, you can't think like that because. If I was thinking, uh, maybe I would never be to Italy. I would never find another work. I mean, like. It has supposed to be like that, I guess, mm. you know? Yeah. It's just like a lot of people in Australia, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people want to go to Australia, but they don't have, sorry to get this excited, the balls to go because it's too far. Uh, people are so scared, 24 hours flight, it's just like, no, unbelievable. I mean, that's twice there is few people, I mean, mm. to the superficie of the country, there is no one because it's too far. And they have this thing, you have, you have the, the scariest animals, <laughs> animals, like, <laughs> it's like that, you know, Australia, they have the biggest spider in the world, the biggest, uh, everything is big, you know, us, we have like a spider like that in Australia, <laughs> yeah. everything super is like super-sized spiders, super-sized, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, me, I, I think I'm seeing differently because as I say, I mean, I met Mark, I was in a super nice house, super mm. quiet, very, everything was friendly. Um, so me, I think I see differently Australia. You know, I was not living with other people, like flatmate, like I was living in London. Yeah. I, I'm for sure, I went to see that kind of luxury, luxury style. 
if I'm thinking about it. Because as I say, the house was just like so cozy. Mark was cooking for us. We have the pool, even had a boat. Mm-hmm. We, we were doing like a, a wander at the harbor. I mean, like it's, it's the, it's, see, I mean, yeah, it's luxury style at the end. Mm. So me, I see in a different way. I think seen it. Of Australia in general, even Perth. Perth, yeah, really live like uh, like expense should be, you know, like uh, living with other people, get problems with other flatmates, <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff. But if I have to come back, I will bring it, I will do it. That again. speaks very highly. <laughs> okay. Fast five. Five quick fire questions require five quick fire answers. My guests must answer five random questions about traveling. Without thinking too much. Are you ready for the fast five? I'm super ready. Question number one. Solo or partnered? Partner. Question number two. Left or right? Left. Question number three. (laughs) Hot or cold? Hot. Question number four. Pub or club? Pub. And question number five. Pro-selfie or anti-selfie? Anti-selfie. Ah, interesting. (laughs) That's it. You smashed the fast five. <laughs> really? I was quite easy. It was easy. <laughs> fast five. 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 Out of all the jobs you've had, Roxanne, in all the different countries you've worked in, what would you say has been your favorite job so far? Uh, when I was working in Grand Giant Co. Uh, in Notting Hill, when I was in London. Yeah, it was super friendly. Um, so it's an Australian restaurant. <laughs> Australian restaurant. Uh, yeah, because the, the chef... Actually, in, in Australia, it's called Grandja. I'm sure you know. Grandja, they have one uh, in Bondi Beach. There are a few restaurants in Sydney. Uh, it's just like in London, it, it calls the restaurant Grandja and Co. Okay. So it's an Australian restaurant. I mean, a mix of culture at, at the same time because uh, the food, I remember it was, yeah, uh, Aussie breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Asian food as well is a mix. Australian food at the end is Asian mix of everything and it's amazing. Yeah, true. It's amazing. Yeah, super friendly restaurant. So I worked for two years there and I really enjoyed it. Is that where David Beckham used to come in? Yeah. Ah, so that's another reason why it was your favorite job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Serve David Beckham his breakfast. David Beckham. Ah, we saw a lot of people there. Oh, really? A lot of uh, famous people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. I mean, if you want to wait an hour to eat pancakes or something. <laughs> <laughs> people were <laughs> scramble eggs and pancakes. Yeah. People were waiting an hour. Roxanne, when you've been traveling mm-hmm. all over the world, what has been your, your greatest challenge? To be honest with you, I didn't really have a challenge to... I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm living in Rome, so it's not my city. I don't even know if I want to stay here. I don't know if I want to create something here. If I was coming back from pa- uh, in Paris to live, it would be, it would have been different. For me, it would, it would be the end. We close, you know, <laughs> my experience. I close game my over. Yeah, okay. it would be a game over. For me, for me, for sure, it would be a game over uh-huh. to come back in my city. And that's the thing, when you're traveling, you don't really know. So challenge is still a challenge for me, still... Uh, even when I came in Italy, I didn't speak the Italian. Yeah. I didn't think it, so it was a challenge even harder because when you don't speak the language, it's just like, like how I'm going to do. Trust me, I didn't feel, I was not scared. 
I was not scared because I was like, I mean, I did it in English where, where I won't be able to do it in Italian. Yeah. I mean, a language at the end, it's just like, a, yeah, for a couple of months, you're suffering because <laughs> you don't understand <laughs> nothing. And people look at, it, look at you like, uh, you're right. So it was just that. But the end, uh, came see coming here after australia i came straight away in italy i didn't even pass by paris i remember because my my dad was really pissed <laughs> <laughs> after one year of australia in australia you know it just like your parents expect you to come back home i think i came back for two days and then i said my to my parents um tomorrow i'm going in italy yeah, <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye and uh it was another challenge so at the end, I don't have a challenge. Every country that I was going, it was a challenge. Right. So being away from your native France and living in different countries where the language is different, the systems are different, the bank accounts are different, the jobs are different, <laughs> the challenge is daily and you're rising to that challenge and living almost like you're traveling every day because you're living in a different culture every day. It's just consistently a challenge yeah. for you. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, exactly. And when, especially when I came here, I wanted to work in a restaurant because it's the only experience that I have. But here, it's really bad. And the same, you know, at the end, you know, when you, when I was saying before, you know, when you are twenty, you are not scared. But even at thirty, I mean, I know actually, I've been here for four years now, four years and a half. But still, you know, I think is that when you start traveling that young, you are never scared of nothing. It can be. 25, 30, 40. I mean, for example, like if tomorrow you told me, oh, Roxanne, do you want to go to New Zealand for a year? I'm doing my luggage tomorrow. You know, I pack everything. You know what I mean? I'm just... I remember that. I'm not scared. <laughs> Are you... Um, I don't know. You want to go to Thailand to live? I have a contract. You can work there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> really, I would go. I'm just like, uh, why not? Why not? You know, you, you never know what can happen in your life. You never know who you can meet. You never know. You, it's like a black hole. You don't know where you go, you know? Uh, when I came here, I completely changed uh, my work. I don't work in a restaurant anymore. Now I'm working in the, in the shop, mm -hmm. luxury sh uh, shop, you know. I didn't really have experience. I had experience when I was 16 years old. I worked for two months, you know, in the, in the shop. So, And I did it. At the end, it depends about your determination, your, your force as well. Like, uh, mm -hmm. okay, I mean, like everyone can do it. It just depends about you. Definitely. You're living in Italy now, you're in Rome. For now, you're content to be there. I'm getting the picture from you that you still don't know whether you will or will not go back to France. Uh, France, for sure, I don't go back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is already like, no. Okay, the place where it becomes game over or the place where you settle down, perhaps you don't know yet or whether you ever will. You talk like you still talk about friends. You mean like if I had to go back there? If you choose a place to stay, as this is now where I am. Ah, okay. No, I won't feel it. It's a game over. I don't know. I don't know. Even if I decide to stay in Rome, for example, I mean, I like the city. It's cool, you know. Like um, the lifestyle is cool. I mean, like uh, it's really relaxed. Uh, it's, I think it's what I want as well, you know. I don't want a stressful city. I'm, I want to live relaxed. Mm. But as I say, I don't know what can happen, you know. For example, the situation made us to say, okay, maybe it's not the right city, you know, it's not the right country. Well, we can check something else, you know. We can, uh, as well, like uh, my, my sister is living in New Caledonia. Why not to go there? 
you know, like, uh, why not? Just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not scared. I don't know. I'm just like always like an inter interrogation point. Like, okay, let's see. Let's see what can. And with that situation, you, you don't know what can happen, you know. But for sure, I don't want to live my life like that. You know, I see in New Caledonia, everything is back to normal, you know. But Israel, it's an island. So, of course, it's really easy to manage. I mean, like, mm. but they are living normally. Me, I don't want to have this life uh, as we are living now, you know. I mean. Totally understand. <laughs> let's see in six months. Let's see, yeah, like June to 2021 and see what can happen. But if it's still like that, I don't want to live like that. I want to go far away from that. <laughs> <laughs> like, really. Roxanne, do you have any advice for people who maybe are thinking to do something similar to you? Obviously, at the moment, it's almost impossible. But if if there are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old people listening to this podcast who are thinking maybe they want to go somewhere outside of their home country, what kind of advice would you give to them? The best thing, I think, is not to think that much. You know, the, the time that you have your, you made your decision, okay, I want to go there, you need to do it as fast as possible because after that, you're going to say, ah, oh, yeah, but there is this, maybe not. I'm, I'm, you're thinking too much and then you are scared to go. The thing is, like, you know, when people say, me, oh, I don't speak the language, I'm, I can't go there. I mean, I'm just, I don't understand that, uh, <laughs> that answer. Like, I don't get it because, I mean, after like two or three months, you already, you, you can already speak the language. So it's just like, don't be scared. Don't think that much. If you really want to go there, go there. Mm. I mean, the worst case scenario can happen is to you, you going back. <laughs> At least you try. You know what I mean? Even you go there for two weeks, three weeks, two days, you don't know. But at least you did it. You know, after that, there's some people that don't feel well at, at all. You know, different uh, culture, different food, different people. There are some people that don't like they don't like that, but at the same time you tried. If you don't try, you never know, right? Yeah, I agree. So just even for three weeks, two weeks, if you have this idea to go and live there, just do it. And then after that, if you don't like it, you come back. But at least you you could say, okay, I did it. I don't like it, and just like and I move on, you know? Yeah. Well, there you go, Roxanne. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> You know, all my life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. My guest has been Roxane Champontier. There are more episodes in this podcast series where you can hear different stories from other travellers. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me at The Nostalgic V. Thanks to Tom Forfer for creating the soundtrack to the series. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time.